Hi, I'm Carly Campbell from Clarkson, and you're listening to College Hockey Talk. I'm Megan Hector from Clarkson Women's Hockey Team, and you're listening to College Hockey Talk with Matt. What's up, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of College Hockey Talk. You are listening to one of our bonus episodes that we are releasing today, and on today's podcast, we have Megan Hector and Carly Campbell. Carly Campbell was a former assistant captain of the Clarkson Golden Knights women's hockey team, and Megan Hector is the current captain of the Clarkson women's hockey team. Two great interviews with them. I'm really excited to share them with you guys, but before we get to the interviews, I'd just like to ask if you can please Follow our Instagram and Twitter at College Hockey Talk. Uh, follow us on Spotify. Uh, subscribe to our Apple Podcast page. Leave a rating and review. Doing these things helps our podcast grow, helps new people find us, and I really appreciate it if you did those things. Let's not waste any more time. Here's the interview with Carly Campbell and Megan Hector. Enjoy, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of College Hockey Talk. On today's podcast, we have a very special guest captain of the Clarkson women's hockey team and national champion, Megan Hector. Megan, welcome to the podcast and how's everything going? Thanks for having me. Uh, things are going pretty well. I actually just got in from practice. So things are going pretty smooth. I mean, it's a little chilly here in Potsdam, but other than that, things are going well. Yeah. And um, how's practice been like and what's it been like to be back on the ice with your teammates and what does your team look like so far? Practice is going well. Um, when we first got here after quarantine, we were only allowed to skate with 10 people at a time. So we were in two different skills groups. Um, but we've been fortunate enough that with everything going on at Clarkson and not many COVID cases around, we're finally back with our full team. And it's nice just to have everyone out there. Um, it looks like we're a pretty deep team. Um, we've got a lot of skill, a lot of talent, a lot of good personality out there. So I'm really excited to see what we can do this year. Yeah, and how are the freshmen looking like, especially since this is a very unusual year to be going into college and have they acclimated well to the program? Yes, definitely a different year. Um, I think they've adapted well, actually. Um, they're a pretty confident group. They know what needs to be done. And like I said, they're very talented. Um, they have everything in order. And I think we're all pretty excited to see come game time what how they can perform. And I think they're going to fit in really well with our team. And what are some of your goals and expectations for your team and for yourself personally coming into next year? Um, I mean, I think for every team, it's nothing less of winning a national championship. And definitely for us, that's our main goal. It's been our main goal for the last, well, since the program started. Um, and you've seen us do it. We've won three national championships in six years. So we know we can do it. And I think we have the group that can do it again. So we're pretty excited about that. But I think just focusing on little details uh, making sure we have everything in order, not just on the ice, but off the ice and being able to translate these, those things onto the ice will be helpful for us. Um, and personally for myself, I know one of the challenges I've had throughout my college career and hockey career um, has been keeping my confidence up. So I know my big goal for this year is to continue keeping my confidence up, but really just playing a solid defensive game. And, um, you know, I've always grown up with coaches and they've always said like, Defense wins championships, and I'm a strong believer in that. Because if you can't play a strong defensive game in your own zone, then you won't be able to get it in the ozone and score some goals. So 
I think for me personally, just playing hard defensive game, getting the first pass out nice will be important as well. Yeah, and you were named captain of the team uh, for this year. Uh, what's what your what, what's that been like, and what type of leader do you want to be? Do you want to be more of a vocal leader or a lead by example type of person? It's been nice. I mean, it hasn't really been a hard job yet. Our team's done a very good job with their little details. Um, we haven't had many things come up. Um, but I think for me, I kind of look to take on a different leadership style. I'm more of a take on an affiliative leadership style because I like to promote more positivity and, you know, create those harmonious relationships within our team. So, I mean, for me, since playing hockey, I've been a true believer in that people come first. And I always think that, you know, if my teammates aren't happy or they don't have every, anything in order or everything in order, sorry, off the ice, then they won't be able to translate it to our game on the ice. So I'm more of that leader who, you know, makes sure that I check in with my teammates, make sure that their academics, their family life, their social life, their personal life are all in order, um, seeing what I can do for them and just trying to create those lasting bonds. Because I know what we do off the ice and the relationships that we build will only help us more on ice during a game. Yeah, and um, how has your quarantine in this offseason been like for you? And what did you do to pass the time and prepare for the season before heading into college? Um, quarantine actually wasn't too bad. Um, before getting here, I had to quarantine back home in Canada. Um, my whole family was home. I was with my mom most days. We tried to go out for a walk every day, an hour walk outside. So that was really nice. We got to bond together more. Um, I'd have to say one of my favorite things in quarantine, I started this uh, food Instagram account, um, just trying to promote more healthy eating and just creating that support link for something that I go through, a medical condition that I go through. So it was a really big eye opener to see how many people have my back and can support me. So I didn't mind quarantine. It, it kind of gave me a new perspective on things but it's really nice to be back and kind of out of quarantine now. <laughs> What's the Instagram link so we can plug it into the podcast? <laughs> it's called Good Gut Eats with Meg. Awesome. I'll make sure to have everyone <laughs> check that out. Now, have you heard from the ACAC what the season, when the season will start or what it might look like? Because I know a lot of Ivy League schools um, aren't going to play until January, and some of the Ivy League schools might even cancel this entire year. So do you know what the season will look like, and how are you trying to prepare for that? We haven't heard too much actually about our season. Um, we're pretty hopeful that it's going to start up pretty soon. Uh, I know we're getting antsy come game time, but no, we haven't heard anything um, league wise, but I know I'm pretty confident in the fact that when they give us the green light, we'll be, we'll be prepared. We'll be well, well prepared and ready to go. That's good to hear. Now I want to start off talking about before you went to Clarkson, you're from Georgetown, Ontario. Um, How did you start playing hockey and falling in love with the sport? Um, I mean, growing up, I always wanted to be in competition with my brother. And he was big into hockey when we were younger. We always wanted to compete with each other, I mean, in a good way. Um, and we play in this league called Timbits Hockey. It's up in Ontario. It's the youngest age you can play. And my brother was this big goal scorer in Timbits Hockey. So I told my parents, I was like, I want to be just like him. I want to score as many goals as he did. Um, so I kind of just followed after him, followed in his footsteps I mean, safe to say I did not score as many goals as he did. Um, when I first stepped on the ice, I honestly was stuck right on the blue line as a defenseman, and I've never looked back. So I just found that instant love for the game. 
Yeah, and uh, did you have a favorite player growing up, and what part of their game did you like the most? Um, I have to say, growing up, I really liked to watch either Tessa Bonham or Megan Mickelson. Um, kind of an odd story, but when I was really young and I saw Megan Mickelson playing for the Canadian national team, it was, I just remember looking at the roster and seeing that her name was spelled the exact same as mine. And it's pretty odd to have the same spelling as us. So I think it was just that instant, like, oh, that's so cool. But the more I got to watch her, the more I realized how good of a defenseman she really was. And both her and Tessa Bonham, like I said, I want to play very strong defensively. And I think they do a very good job of getting the job done in their own end um, and being able to join the attack in that way. So, I mean, they've both done great things for the women's game. Tessa's not playing anymore, but with her and her broadcasting, she's done an awesome job promoting the women's game. And same with Megan Mickelson continuing to play as a mom and her social media accounts. It's really getting the name out there for all of us. So I still look up to them today. That's great to hear. And um, before Clarkson, you played for the Oakville Hornets in the PWHL. Uh, talk about playing in Oakville and what that experience was like for you. Yeah, I mean, I love my time in Oakville. Um, it's probably one of my most memorable times in my hockey career. Um, so when I, I played boys hockey in Georgetown, up until the age of, I think it was 13. Um, and then I finally switched over to girls hockey. And I, I chose Oakville just based on, you know, the values that they promoted and um, how much they wanted to focus on development. And I think they've done an awesome job with that. I mean, when I went there my first year, we ended up winning, I think it was silver, yeah, silver medal in the provincial championship. And then when I moved on to play for Oakville Junior, we won gold my first year of junior at the provincial championship, which was a pretty big thing for Oakville. We made history during that time. And then finally, when I went on to play my third and last year of Oakville junior, we ended up winning the trifecta, which was really cool. It's, we won the um, PWHL league, the PWHL tournament championship, as well as the gold in the provincial championship. So it was really, really cool to kind of make that history. Um, but I also, during my time in Oakville, I got a chance to play with some very talented girls and some who are still my best friends today. Um, and those girls have gone on to do a lot of great things for women's hockey. I mean, most notably, I played with Jamie Bourbonnet from Cornell, who's um, pretty big in with the Canadian national team. I played with Emma Malte, from, the captain from Ohio State, as well as Sarah Fillier, who's the captain of Princeton. So, I mean... Oakville does breed a lot of good players and a lot of good talent, but they do breed a lot of good people. And I think that's something that I learned a lot while I was there was to just be a good person. Yeah, that's great. We've had uh, Jamie and Emma on the podcast as well. So it's cool to get to talk to some Oakville alums. Now, how did that experience help prepare you for college hockey? Was it playing against that type of talent every night? Yeah, I think, I mean, practicing with talented players like that, it, it challenged me in practice every single day and, I think one of the big things came from our coach, Brady Cochran. Um, she did a great job with development and ensuring that all our little details on the ice were, were there and, you know, stopping at the net, three hard strides back. Because when we went to college, the pace changes a lot and you, they don't really tell you that you have to be really good with details right away. So I think just her embedding that in our mind was very, very great of her to do, actually. <laughs> 
Yeah, and you also got to play for Canada in the World Championships. Uh, what was it like to represent your country and win a silver medal on the national stage? That was an awesome experience, too. You don't always get to play with some of the best players in the world and play for, not biased, the best country in the world. Um, but no, being there, it was just awesome to get to know different people that you wouldn't get to meet in any other way and different coaches and learning from different coaching styles and learning from different girls. I know I was able to experience some things that I never would have. And I still use some of those experiences, some of those lessons with me today. So it was really awesome. Obviously, we didn't get the outcome we wanted to. But in the end, I wouldn't change a thing. It was such an awesome experience. Yeah, now I want to talk a little bit about your recruiting process. Uh, what was that like and why did you choose to go to Clarkson? Was it because they had some fantastic defensemen like Renata Fast that obviously since she graduated turned out to be really good like yourself? Yeah, when I recruit, when I went through my recruiting process, it was pretty in-depth. Uh, I remember after my grade nine year, in the summer going into grade 10, my parents and I took a big road trip throughout the entire summer and we we went and visited about 15 different schools. Um, and then in September, I narrowed it down to three schools, one being Clarkson. And I decided to go take a second visit at all of them. And actually, when I went on my second visit to Clarkson, I went and toured Aaron Ambrose and Renata Fast's house. And I went and talked to them. And I wouldn't say they were the complete deal breaker, but they're pretty big in my decision of going to Clarkson just because of how welcoming they were and you know they were telling me different things that how I would be successful here at Clarkson and I really enjoyed just talking to current players like themselves uh, I know they've done a lot for the program and they've been able to show that after they left college so it's pretty nice to talk to them there but some of the reasons that I came to Clarkson I mean when I got on campus it was like I knew I was at home the second I drove onto campus but before coming here, I knew I wanted to be a business major. I didn't know what section or what area of business, um, but they have a state-of-the-art business program. It's pretty nationally ranked, and it, I've seen it. Um, it's great. I've gained a lot of knowledge and experiences here throughout the uh, School of Business. Um, but then also just knowing how successful and how devoted they are to their hockey. Um, it was a pretty big deal breaker there as well. And what was the biggest adjustment you had to make to your game after playing college hockey for your first few games as a freshman? I think the whole quickness in your thought process. Um, when I was in junior hockey, I kind of had more time to make decisions. But when I got to college, I realized that you needed to know what you had to do with the puck before you even got it. So I think just your whole awareness of everyone else on the ice is something that I really have had to adjust to. And I want you to talk a little bit about the coaching staff at Clarkson. Uh, how have they helped you during your college hockey career? And what's it like to play under them? Yeah, I mean, they've done a great job here at Clarkson. We have Matt Drozier on the, as our head coach. He's been here, I think it's his 12th season now at Clarkson and in the ECAC. So he brings us a lot of experience. Um, he's able to look at how teams have progressed throughout the years and how different coaching styles have changed. And he's been very good at adapting our game and our systems to ultimately set us up for success um, against those other teams. But I think overall our coaches have done an awesome job in recruiting very strong incoming players, um, not just great hockey players, but great people. And one of the values we have here, like in Oakville is being a good person. 
Um, our coaches are all very enthusiastic about what they do on the ice. Um, I mean, we've seen it. We've seen Matt come through with three national championships, numerous amounts of All-Americans, four, three ECAC championships, and the Olympian and Renata Fast. You can tell that he's been a successful coach and he's very knowledgeable with us. Um, but I'm, they have a lot of support staff to back them up. We have a great strength coach in Tad Johnson, who's with the help of the coaches and himself, they've been able to pre prepare us not only for my past three seasons, but especially this year when we haven't been on campus during quarantine and getting us prepared when we came back just to be ready for game time. So it's been really awesome. They've done a really good job with us. Yeah, and your first year with Clarkson, you were part of one of those national championship teams. Uh, at what point in the regular season did you realize your team was capable of winning a national championship? Honestly, I think right from the beginning, you just saw the, the character on the ice and the determination and dedication. When I came in, they had just come off winning the national championship, and we talked a lot about if there's going to be a target on our back, everyone's going to want to beat us every single game. And I think just having that in our minds, we knew that we had to show up at the rink every day and be as determined as we could. And just looking even at our seniors in the gym and off the ice in school, stuff they did with their nutrition and their sleep on the weekends and their recovery. I think I just, I had that feeling right from the beginning that it, it was a special team and we were going to do pretty special things. You won the ECAC championship your freshman year as well. Uh, talk about your first ECAC playoff experience and winning that championship. And what was your mindset heading into the tournament after taking one trophy and going for another? Honestly, I didn't really know what to think about it going into ECAC playoffs. I had never played in any playoff series um, in college. So it was pretty a pretty unique experience. And I think, like I said, we were pretty determined. We knew that there was a target on our back um, coming off the the great season that the girls the girls did the year prior. Um, but it was pretty exciting uh, to be in that moment and lift that trophy for my first time in my college career. Um, it showed how much effort we put in throughout the year, and I think it was just a relief knowing how much work we put in and just the outcome what we got. So. You played in three overtime games in that national tournament. Uh, how do you mentally stay focused for those games and talk about playing in basically another separate game being in that many overtimes? <laughs> yes, that, that was a lot that year. Uh, <laughs> a little bit of a nail biter. Um, but I think a lot comes down to, again, like I said, how much work we put in throughout the year and a lot comes from our conditioning. Um, we're a really well-rounded athletic team and Tad Johnson had done a lot of work with us off the ice to make sure that we were prepared and we were all recovered for the next game. And I think just on the bench, all of us, we're just so positive and so encouraging. And like I said, from the national championship and the ECAC championship, I just had that feeling that we were going to get it done. We always seem to in the big moments at the end of the game, we always seem to get it done. So I was, I wasn't too nervous. Now talk about uh, your Frozen Four experience, both on and off the ice as well. And what do you remember the most? Because I went to one Frozen Four in my lifetime. It was in Boston with the men's side back in 2015. It's really cool how they helped the whole setup and how they get the pep bands there. And I was just wondering what was your experience like there for the women's side? And yeah, talk about your just the atmosphere and scenery. 
yeah, I mean, it's great. We were able to have our pep band there and not being biased, but I think we have the best pep band in the NCAA. Um, they're always pretty rowdy and they get us going. So having them there create an even, even better environment. Um, but just the whole setup of how the NCAA did it for us, they did a really good job of making sure that we felt like we were at home in our different dressing rooms and setting it all up that way. But I think my most memorable part of my Frozen Four would definitely have to be Elizabeth Chaguer's overtime winner um, when we won in 2018. Just the thrill of us being on the bench and watching her go down and score on that breakaway. It just, it almost brought tears to my eyes and I still get chills today. Um, definitely something that I will remember for a long time. And before that game, uh, you played, you beat Ohio State in the semifinals. Uh, talk about that semifinal and playing a team that's never been to the Frozen Four before. And even though you've never been there before, you're with a ton of players that have had that experience. Uh, talk about playing that semifinal game and just how close it was. Yes, um, Ohio State was very, very good that year. Um, definitely a nail biter. Um, but I think just having the experience amongst our team and them knowing what it takes and um, just being overall positive about the whole situation, we were able to bear down with everything. And just, like I said, we get the job done pretty well. Um, and we were able to do that. It was a tough game and it was a tough battle. But I think just going back into the locker room before that overtime, we talked it out and we said, you know what, we've done it before. We've been in this situation and we can do it again. We have the team in here and we just put our mind to it. And when talk about winning your first national championship and what it means to you today and just the emotions you were feeling after winning that game in overtime. Yes, like I said, it still brings some chills to me. I still picture it every day when we're on the ice, when I see in practice Elizabeth Shaguer going down in her breakaway against us. And it almost just brings back flashbacks of our national championship win. Um, just jumping off the bench and being able to go and run and hug our teammates was pretty special. Um, I know they will and will remember it. It was a back-to-back -back year, so something that all of us will probably remember for the rest of our lives and be able to play that flashback over and over. So it was really nice. Now, your sophomore year, you only played six games, but even during those six games, how did you handle the pressure of being a defending national champion? And what was it like having a target on your back in those six games? I'd say it was an even bigger target than the year before. Um, coming off back-to-back -back championships, your target just continues to grow, and every single team just focuses almost their year on wanting to beat Clarkson. Um, and it was it got stressful at times, and it got difficult at times, but just digging deep and, like I said before, knowing we have the team to do it. Um, we had a special team even that year, and we were pretty dedicated and pretty determined to go back to where we started the year prior. So, I mean, I think just showing up every single day and knowing that teams are going to want to beat you is pretty difficult, but just having that in the back of the mind and using that as, you know, some some pride and helping you push through, I guess I should say. Now, you did have a very tough sophomore year. You were hurt and injured throughout most of the season. Uh, talk about how you mentally and physically recovered from that and got back on the ice and, yeah, just that whole situation. Yeah, so my summer going into sophomore year, um, I found out that I had three blood clots in my left calf. So I was put on blood thinners for at least three months, um, taking me out of the first – part or the first quarter of the year 
which was pretty hard to handle. Um, it took me a while even to tell my teammates because I was so upset and I felt like I was letting them down at that stage. Um, but they were pretty positive in telling me that things will get better and I'll be back on the ice in the three months when I get cleared. Um, so I think them helping me out, being at school away from my parents and being away from my doctors was hard. But knowing that I had all my teammates back was was really uplifting. Um, and then after the three months, after I got off my blood thinners, I went back to playing um, those six games. And there was a practice after that sixth game that I just felt the throbbing coming back in my left calf. And I was a little nervous and a little scared that I had my blood clots back. Um, fortunately, I did not, but I thought that it was best if I just took the year off to just relax and recover properly. Um, at that same time, I was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis. I was having a lot of stomach issues. So just being able to not have the stress of going back to games and pushing through every single practice to try to play a game, it was really nice. Um, and I had so much support from everyone here and everyone back home. So I think, honestly, it was the support aspect that got me through it all. That same year when I took my uh, red shirt, we were in spring training. Um, in April, and I ended up in the hospital with rhabdomyolysis, which is just when my when your muscle enzymes break down, they go into your bloodstream and can put you into kidney failure if it's bad enough. So when I arrived at the hospital, the doctors had said, um, you know, usually your levels of CPK should be between 10 to 20. Um, if it's high, if it's past 10,000, you know, you have to stay overnight. And when they came back, they told me that my levels were at almost 380,000, something that the doctors have never seen. So I was put in the hospital for five days on a continuous IV drip until those levels went back down. And even then I had teammates and coaches and staff, um, and even my parents came down and they spent some time in the hospital with me and they brought some games and they brought food. So again, just knowing that they had my back was, was pretty uplifting and they're part of the reason that I got through all of this honestly yeah that sounds like a lot I couldn't even I couldn't even imagine going through <laughs> that but in what was after recovering from all of that what was the, what was the biggest adjustment you had to make in your junior year trying to get get through getting through all that and playing your first few games and was there any like worry in your mind that something like this could come back I think just having an open mind about everything um it was obviously tough I had to kind of go through progressions with my conditioning and with my weightlifting. I ended up back here at Clarkson for the summer to work with our strength coach, Tad Johnson, to try to get me back up to the strength that I was at prior to my three injuries and illnesses. Um, so I was skating a bunch over the summer that year, just focusing on what I needed to do physically to get me healthy. Um, I know I've done a great job myself being an advocate for other athletes and knowing that you know, probably my blood clots would not have happened if I didn't have as much inflammation and dehydration in my body. So for all athletes, just knowing how much they need to hydrate throughout activity, away from activity, um, is pretty important. And I think I've learned my lesson that way. Now, speaking of this past year, you lost to Princeton in the ECAC semifinals. Uh, talk about that game and how are you going to use it to motivate you coming into your senior year? That was a pretty devastating loss. I know we went back into the locker room and we were really upset. Um, just we knew that we had more in us and we knew we could have given more. 
and it was just unfortunate that it, that ended up being our last game of the season. Um, not getting able, not being able to have little redemption still kind of stings today. And I think it's always in the back of our minds going forward this year, knowing that you, you can't even give up a period or give up a shift. Um, so I think we'll know that going, we've learned our lesson the hard way. And I think we'll use that as motivation this year. And you were supposed to play in the national tournament before everything got shut down due to COVID. Uh, how did you find out and what was your team's reaction, especially the seniors knowing they played their final game? So we were on our flight to Wisconsin that day. We had two flights. Um, we were, we had gotten on our first flight. We were in Detroit and we kind of had seen different things unfolding over Twitter and social media. We didn't really know what to expect. Um, we got on our second flight and we were actually on the runway on our way to Wisconsin when one of our teammates' sisters had sent us a post um, that was posted on Twitter that just said, you know, we're canceled, um, can't play anymore. So a lot of our team didn't know about it until we had landed in Wisconsin and we were in the lobby and it was very chaotic. We were trying to figure out what to do next, how to get back home. Um, and it was really sad just seeing the seniors finding out that that was their last game that we played the weekend prior and knowing that they didn't have that chance to get back and get their redemption. It was really upsetting. Um, but I know they did a lot for our program and I think they know they did a lot and we're really proud of everything they brought, whether that was their last game or not. Um, but yeah, just the overall experience is pretty upsetting being there, not being able to play the game that we wanted to. Now, on a more positive note, like I just mentioned earlier, you were named captain in the offseason. Uh, talk about receiving that honor and what you learned from past captains, because we spoke to a former Clarkson captain, Savannah Harmon, and she was talking about how she learned from previous captains and what type of leadership she wanted to bring to Clarkson. Did you any, learn anything from previous leaders of what you want to bring, and what was it like to receive that honor? Yes, it was a huge honor. Um, knowing that my teammates thought of me and looked up to me as one of their leaders was was really awesome to hear and I really appreciate it all. Um, I think Sav actually has done a great job. Um, I know I've looked up to her since my freshman year. She was one of my seniors and my captain my freshman year and watching everything she went through. And then my next two years with Cassidy Vinkle and Ella Shelton um, as our leaders, they were just very positive people. They told us what needed to be done and they followed suit. Um, they never, there was never a day that they didn't give up on anything. They were probably the most determined people I've ever met. So just working off, you know, what they did for our team, both on and off the ice. Um, I, I look to follow them in a lot of different ways. And we're now in the non-hockey segment of the podcast where I ask you some non-hockey questions. And my first one is, what's your favorite class at Clarkson? It's a hard one. Um, I think my favorite class would be our investments class. Um, we learn how to trade stocks on the stock market and what different stocks mean. So I thought it was pretty cool. We got to do this little game where they give you fake money and you were able to trade throughout the entire semester and see who could come out with the most amount at the end. That was really cool. Now, uh, what music do you like to listen to and what fires you up before a game? Uh, I'm a huge country girl. So first off, I'd probably say never hand me the aux cord before a game. Um, I don't know. I just, I either listen to country or I listen to kind of those more 80s hits. So not the typical pump up music. I like the more soothe my mind before a game rather than the big like bass drop kind of stuff. Now, what is your biggest pet peeve? 
oh, definitely when people are sitting next to me and chewing with their mouth wide open. <laughs> now, if you could have lunch with anyone in the world, who would it be and why? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, hmm. I think I'd go and have lunch with my grandma. Um, she passed away five years, five, six years ago now. But she was one of my best friends, and she was at every single one of my games. Well, the games that she wasn't at, she would call me after every single game. So just being able to go out for lunch with her and tell her how everything's going and knowing that she'll be my biggest cheerleader would be really nice. Now, uh, who has the best style at Clarkson Women's Hockey besides yourself? Hmm. I'd have to give that one to my roommate, Morgan Helgeson. Her style's always on point. Now, who has who is the funniest on Clarkson women's hockey? I would say Avery Mitchell, defenseman number four. She's always able to crack the jokes, whether she knows she's making a joke or not. She's always able to make us laugh. Now, back to some hockey questions now. My first one is, what advice would you give younger players trying to pursue Division One college hockey? Um, I think just having an open mind about everything. Um, just knowing that if you can believe it, you can do it. Um, you know, a lot of kids are scared to to live up to their dreams. And I think if you just put your mind to it, you'll be able to accomplish a lot of things. Now, what should be done to help grow women's hockey in the college level? I think just the overall marketing and promotion of women's hockey. Um, I know they've done a great job thus far, but just continuing that and the sponsorships. I know that there was a huge sponsorship for the PWHPA um, a couple of weeks ago with secret deodorant um, giving a big sponsorship amount but I think just continue with that and other people getting on board and just promoting the overall game um, whether it's NCAA women's hockey or Canadian and U.S. national women's teams on TV um, just putting it out there um, getting even men's hockey players I think do a great job right now in the NHL I see a lot from Mitch Marner um, and players like him putting stuff out there about women's hockey. But if we just continue that, I think a lot of people will be more aware of it. How does Clark, what does Clarkson do to promote you guys? Because I know the men's team is very successful as well as the women's team. Is there any particular thing they try to do to get fans to come? Um, I mean, our community is very tight knit. Um, we're from a, from a very small town. So we actually get a lot of fans from around here. It's almost like a big family. Um, but I think a lot of our stuff comes from, I mean, between our Instagram and our Facebook accounts, but also we do a lot of community service around here. Um, a lot with our little, little kids, we call them the little nights program and we go to their, their classrooms and we do different food drives. So just getting our name out there throughout the entire community helps a lot. Now, what should I do as an interviewer to improve and make this podcast better? Oh, I don't know. You do a really good job with it. Um, maybe getting a couple people on here at the same time, doing a little like question and answer between different people. I'm not sure. It's I just do hard. a really good job with it. Thank you. I appreciate it. It's just hard to do that right now just because of COVID. So like yeah. not people are like socially distanced. So that's, yeah, been, for sure. I w I'll try to do that though. Eventually when things start to get back to normal. Yeah. Now, uh, is there any shout outs you'd like to give to any of your teammates, friends or family members? I'm definitely a big shout out to my family. I haven't seen them since the end of July. So 
I hear them. I, I call them all the time, but just a big shout out to them and a lot of my friends that I haven't seen back home as well. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on, Megan. I really appreciate it. Uh, you may not know this, but you're one of my favorite players at Clarkson. So it was so much fun oh, thank you. to talk with you and have a great rest of your week and stay safe. Yes. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. Have a great have day. Have a good one. Thank you too. Welcome back to another episode of College Hockey Talk. On today's podcast, we have Clarkson Golden Knight legend, Carly Campbell. She was an assistant captain and helped lead the Clarkson, Clarkson to their first tournament appearance. It is one of the main reasons why the program is as successful as it is today. Welcome to the podcast, Carly. How's it going? Great. Thanks for having me. It's going pretty well, thanks. It's 20 degrees and sunny outside, so I'm not complaining. Yeah, I'm not complaining. It's just a bit weird for November. It is definitely a little weird for November. Now, how's your quarantine been going and what have you been doing recently to pass the time? Um, so quarantine's been a little interesting because we have a two-year-old. So when that all started, both my husband and I have full-time jobs. So we had to figure out a way to um, survive, I guess, with having a toddler at home. So it took us a little while to get a good schedule down pat. But what we did is we kind of set up shifts where I would have her in the morning and then we'd swap off around 11, 30, 12 o'clock and then he would take her and then she would nap and she'd wake up. So our, our quarantine has been interesting and super busy, although I can't complain because some people are in a way worse situation than we are. Um, we both have our jobs. We have our daughter. We're all healthy. So I can't complain at all. Well, that's good that you guys found a system. Now, what has been the biggest challenge you've faced during this pandemic? Is it just, just uh, finding time to do balance work in home life? Um, at first it was because we're really close with both of our families and with our daughter being the only grandchild, it was really difficult not seeing our families in the beginning. Um, our, the grandparents were having a really, really tough time with it. But then once we kind of opened up our bubble, um, that's, that issue has been alleviated. So we can see them now they help with babysitting and all that stuff. So that's not too big of a challenge anymore. Right now, the biggest challenge for me is just timing and scheduling because things are so busy with work just because we're working from home it doesn't mean that work has decreased if anything it's increased the virtual meetings and all those things right have just taken up the majority of my day so i think it's just finding time to breathe that's the biggest challenge yeah i can definitely agree with that i'm in college right now and doing all the classes virtually it's still it's just a lot trying to handle balance both the virtual yeah. stuff and trying to get your work done as well and trying it to is really hard as well it you is know, now, I want to start off talking about some hockey in the beginning of your career. You're from uh, Oakville, Ontario. How did you start playing hockey and falling in love with the sport? Um, so I actually grew up in Sudbury. That's where I was born and then lived there until I was 12 or 13. Um, so, I mean, Sudbury hockey kind of go hand in hand. Like, that's how I started playing because, frankly, when we were younger, that was really all there was to do up in the winters there. Um, so that's how I started playing. We played on a girls team, but in a boys league, because at the time there weren't enough um, girls teams in Northern Ontario to play and just not enough girls to play in general in the GTA. And we weren't traveling to the GTA to play. So we played in a boys loop. Um, in terms of falling in love with the game, I think from what I can remember, it was just that team, team aspect of things. Um, I loved being on a team. I loved being part of that small cohort of girls that were the hockey players in Sudbury. Um, and if I think back, it just, it just felt special to be within that group. Yeah. And, uh, who was your favorite player growing up and what part of the game do you try to emulate to your game? Oh man. Um, definitely. I wish I could say a female player. Um, hopefully that changes for girls today, but Lidstrom, I just appreciated the stay at home 
um, part of Lidstrom. Um, I loved his intensity as well. He was always a very serious player. Um, and if I think back to like choosing my first clip, my first stick and choosing the curve, it was a Lidstrom stick because I was a defenseman and he's a defenseman. So I think that's what I related to. Um, like I said, I wish it could have been a female player, but I just didn't have, because of the age I am, I didn't have a ton of female role models growing up. Yeah. And before Clarkson, you played for the Toronto Arrows. Uh, talk about that experience and how'd you get the opportunity to play there? Yeah. So with the Arrows, so I played with the Hornets for majority of my, I'd say like Pee Wee Bantam career. And then I was just looking for something new for my grade 12 year. Um, I had made Team Ontario. Things were looking up from a scholarship perspective and I was just looking for a more competitive program to go to for my final year and I had a little bit of exposure to those players that were on the arrows when I played for Team Ontario and so I saw the quality of players that they were and I think that's why I made the shift over to them just for my final year of high school before I headed over to university. Um, It was and still is a very competitive program but back when we were playing the arrows were like the go-to program. so that's why I wanted to be. I wanted to be with the pl- best players, and I was fortunate enough to get uh, get an opportunity with Ken Dufton, who happens to still be around too. <laughs> yeah, and how did your time with the Arrows help prepare you for college hockey? Um, it so with the the reputation of the program and the quality of the coaching and the quality of the players, I think those three things were pretty crucial. The reputation of the program, right? The arrows were known to be successful, and I wanted to know what it was like to be really successful um, in a year of hockey. So there's that piece. I think that prepared me for it. Um, the quality of players that were playing on that team, we had a really good team that that final year, and it was crazy to be on a team with that many talented girls. Um, we meshed so well, and it was really good for me to experience what it's like to be on a great team from a talent perspective. And then from a coaching perspective, um, the Ken was best in class and Steph White, they were best in class. And that's what I wanted was best in class coaching. Um, nothing against the Oakville coaches that I had right growing up. I think they were great. That extra level of knowledge and experience that the, the Arrows coaches had, I really think gave me a leg up going into university because I had the experience with that great coaching. Yeah, and I want to talk to you about your recruitment process and why you chose Clarkson because I know at the time it wasn't didn't have the three national championships, didn't have no. the recruits that does now. What made you want to go there? Um, so a few different things. Because I'm from Sudbury, I was looking for a small school. Um, I went and visited Boston University. I visited Dartmouth um, and a few other big schools, and I just they just had a different feeling um, stepping onto the campus at Clarkson. I love the concept of you being on campus and knowing you're on campus, not you being on campus, but you're in the middle of um, a downtown, um, downtown Boston or in a city, right? So I really, really appreciated that, that small town feeling. Um, it was the fourth year of the program, I think the one, yeah, when I went, it was the fourth year of the program. And that was just experience enough for me where I had belief in the program but it was also still young enough of a a program where I could come in as a freshman and be a top defenseman and that's what I was looking for I was looking for the ice time and the experience so I think a combination of those two just made it an attractive school to go to and on top of that their rank is sweet and the fans are amazing it's just such a good hockey community that I couldn't say no yeah, and um, how did you balance academics and being a student athlete when you were there? Because I'm in college now. It's very tough to balance. It seems like it would be yeah. very tough to balance the hockey aspect and the 
academic aspect and do you compare it to now what you're dealing with in quarantine a little bit? Yeah, so time management is a skill. I, growing up as a competitive athlete, you kind of you've learned time management. You um, you're you have to manage your time all the time while you're in school and playing a competitive sport, whether you're in college or if you're just in the minors, right? Um, going to college definitely ramped that up, and I I remember there being a period of adjustment that first year, that freshman year, where we were playing. You're on the ice practicing Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Play Friday, Friday, Saturday and then rest Sunday. Um, and school doesn't take a back seat, unfortunately, because there's, uh, there's grades that you have to hit to stay on the program, right? There's expectations from the coaches. So you have to learn to juggle both and not just juggle both. And I mean, um, like not even just stay afloat, you have to excel at both, right? So you learn, you learn as you go along. Um, and I absolutely think it's translatable to what I'm doing right now in quarantine. The skills that you learn as a student athlete, uh, whether NCAA or CIS, are so important. Um, you don't have the same life as a regular student by no means, uh, which sucks, but you come out of your college experience with some really, really good skills that some of those normal students might not come out with. In your first year in Clarkson, you lost to St. Lawrence in the ECAC playoffs. Um, talk about your first playoff experience and what you took away from it. That sucked. It, it was awful. Um, you going in as a freshman, you know that there's a rivalry against St. Lawrence, right? You know that it's there, but you don't learn to appreciate it until like your third or fourth year. You really don't. Um, as much as you think you understand it as a freshman, right? It's those extra two, three years of experience that get you to really be competitive and really embrace the fact that, you know, St. Lawrence was a huge rival of ours. And it was a huge loss as a freshman. It was it was very nerve wracking going into the playoff series, knowing that they are our main rivals. Um, I, but I wish I would have had that fourth year, that senior knowledge in my freshman year. Cause I think I would have appreciated that environment a little bit more and empathized with our seniors a little bit more because that was huge for them. Um, and unfortunately going in as a freshman, you just don't have the experience or the knowledge as to how crazy that that is. Yeah, and uh, what was the biggest adjustment you had to make to your game during your freshman year? There's a lot of good hockey players out there, a lot. Um, we, when I was playing for the Arrows, right, we were the cream of the crop. Like, we had the best team. We barely lost all year. And you think that your bubble is the best bubble of hockey you're ever going to get until you get to college. Then you realize, oh, crap, there's a ton of good players out there. And they are just as talented, just as fast, just as hungry as you are. And there's, I mean, there was what, 30, I think there was 30 or 29 uh, NCAA Division I schools at the time. There's more now, but there's 29 teams filled with girls like me. Um, whereas going into it, you think like you're, you're one of very few people. So I think that was the, the biggest adjustment, just seeing how many good hockey players there were out there. Yeah, and I was checking some of your stats and you were a very good offensive defenseman at your time in Clarkson. Uh, what did you do to add that offensive part to your game and but still maintain trying to be a stay-at-home defenseman as well? It's a hard thing to balance. Um, I'm always, it doesn't matter what team I play on, I've always been like a 50 percenter, right? I've always been a, a 0.5 point per game type of player. And I, I, when I look back, I wish I could have gotten more. Um, I, but now that I reflect a little bit more, I realize that like being a 0.5 uh, point per game player is actually very good in NCAA. 
Um, I think it's just, I had the opportunities, right? I was on the ice a lot. My coach gave me a ton of opportunity to be there. And it was fun to be able to test out my skills. Um, from an offensive standpoint, I just tried to jump in the play as much as possible. I got a ton of opportunity on power play as well. So I think that may have contributed to it. Yeah, and uh, you then lost to Harvard in the semifinals of the ECAC, ECAC playoffs your sophomore year. Uh, what do you remember from that game? And talk about winning your first playoff series in the quarterfinals and then going against Harvard and what challenges they might have brought. So winning the first, winning that, that quarterfinal series was huge for Clarkson because it was the first time it had happened in history. Um, going in against Harvard, Harvard was good. Harvard was filled with U.S. national team and Canadian national team players. We were definitely the underdogs going into that. So I think um, we didn't have a ton of pressure on us because first of all, it was our first time to the final four in ECAC. And second, we were going up against Harvard. So um, I just remember being really nervous because of the quality of players that they had. And we had played them obviously earlier in the year and I knew how good they were. I also knew that we had a chance to beat them, um, but I wish I wouldn't have been as nervous. I wish I would have been a little bit more confident, but that again, that comes with experience. Yeah, and uh, speaking of playing at Harvard, uh, what was your favorite road arena to play in during your time at Clarkson? Um, favorite road arena? I remember BC. BC was uh, the, that rank that we saw. I remember when we saw it for the first time. It was the first time I had seen a massive arena. Um, BC's rank is huge, and it's gorgeous. So I remember that rank really well. Um, St. Lawrence, it was just... I hated the rink, but I loved the atmosphere. Um, so as, as much of it, of a, it wasn't really a road <laughs> series because it was like 10 minutes down the road, but just the atmosphere in those games where you can't really compare to anything else. Yeah, and in your senior year, you were named assistant captain of the team. Uh, what type of leadership did you want to bring that team that year? Were you, was it more vocal or lead by example? And did you learn anything from past leaders at your time at Clarkson that helped your leadership strategy during your senior year? I think it was, I've always been a more of a, a lead by example type of person. Um, my, in terms of being vocal, I, I pipe in when I need to pipe in and where I think I can add value, but leading by example has always been kind of like my method. And I think that's the method that I took or the approach that I took when I was at Clarkson. Um, Lindsay Williams was a captain when I got to school and she was the captain all four years, I believe it was, or three years at Clarkson, while well, she was at Clarkson. And she was that captain that I wanted to be, right? Everybody respected her. Everybody knew that she would day in, day out, bring everything that she had. So I think when I thought of who I want to be as a Clarkson captain, Lindsay was the person I thought of. Yeah, and you had a lot of success as a team your senior year. Uh, what did you do to during those off seasons to improve your rankings? And what did you do? What role did you play to try to maintain that success throughout the regular season? Um, I'm trying to think back to like what changed that year. I think our team just got really cohesive, and we had a good class that came in. Um, and frankly, our class had been working for that like that um, success for the four years that that we were there. And I think just the talent that we added to the team and just added to that work, right. That we had done as, as our, as our initial classes that freshman class, um, we had a ton of talent that came in. Dominique Thibault was one of them that came in and she was unbelievable for us from an offensive standpoint. Right. And then we had a few lines that just meshed really, really well. So um, in terms of what changed, I think there wasn't very much from a, like a logistical standpoint, like it wasn't, um, 
like the type of coaching that changed or the strategy that changed. I think it was just the, the team dynamic and the talent that we had. Yeah. And speaking of you individually, what was the biggest improvement you made to your game during those four years at Clarkson? Um, if I think back, I think it was just confidence. Um, I went in not, I went in confident and then lost a bit of confidence. My, my, at the end of my freshman year, sophomore year, and then as things went on, I think I just got a little bit more confident in my ability and that changed my game. I changed my game mentally. If I can think back, it was a while ago, but I think that was the biggest change was just a mental adjustment to my game. Now you lost in the ECAC tournament final your senior year. Uh, what do you take away from that loss and what was your mindset heading into the national tournament for the first time? So losing that game against Cornell sucked. Um, we made such a good effort to come back from a three nothing deficit. And I will never forget that feeling because I was on the ice when Cornell scored. And that was just like absolutely gut wrenching. Um, it was a really exciting game. I wish we could have won. I would have loved to have that ECAC title, but hey, it wasn't in my cards. It wasn't in our cards, I guess. And then being part of that first class or that first team, right, that finally got a bid to NCAAs, I think it's fairly, it's fairly special. You don't get that at a program, right? Um, and I remember that. We were just so excited. And again, we were going in as the underdog. We were playing Minnesota. Minnesota was unbelievable. We got our butts handed to us um, earlier in the year by Minnesota. So it, it was just a really, really crazy experience, similar to that um, us making the final four ECACs for the first time. Obviously, a, a, like way more at stake for, for NCAAs, but kind of like that similar situation. And how did you find out you were making the tournament? I think we were listening to it on, I think we were listening to it on the bus on the ride home from Cornell because the, the ranking show or whatever it was came out. We, we had a feeling we'd be getting a bid. Um, I just wish we had like an ECAC champion hat on at the time that we were listening to that call. <laughs> it was yeah. a pretty somber mood on the bus. That must have lightened the mood a little bit, though, after the, that tough loss or not really. Yeah, I mean, losing a championship game sucks. There's not very much that can help. <laughs> yeah. That. What was it like to play in the national tournament for the first time? And what did you take away from that one game experience? And what emotions were you feeling after that loss since it was your last collegiate game? And talk about that Minnesota team, because I was just checking out their roster when they played you guys. They were just completely loaded. They were stacked. They were stacked. Um, (laughs) They, so going into, going into that game, um, again, nervous, but confident that we could come out with the win because we knew that Minnesota might take us for granted considering that they kicked our butts earlier in the year. But we kind of did the same thing as as we did at Cornell, right? We came back from a two nothing loss. And again, I was on the ice, which I always look back and I hate myself for it. Um, with it being, I think there's a ton at stake when you know, going into the game that it could be your last game, um, with so much at stake and knowing it could be potentially be your last game as a collegiate athlete ever, that just adds a whole other level of craziness of nervousness. Like I, I thrived on it. It was exciting. It was great to go to the NCAA tournament. I still wish we would have made it to frozen four. And then we, we absolutely could have. We had so many chances that game. We outshot them. It just, um, again, wasn't in the cards. And with it 
when they scored, it was Kessel that scored. I think. Yeah. Yeah. When she scored, like that was gut wrenching. That was absolutely awful. I remember going out. I just remember seeing my teammates' faces, and especially the the other girls in my class, and it was just devastating to us. Like there is a devastation because you lost and you were so close to a national championship, but there's also devastation with the fact that you're never going to play again. Yeah. So uh, I remember sitting, I left the dressing room with all my equipment on and I sat on the bench for a little bit at, at the right at Minnesota. And I just sat on the bench and just sat and thought about like my four years at Clarkson. And I was so sad because I just wanted to go back out on the ice, but I knew the second I took that Jersey off, right. It was really done. Um, so I tried to prolong that. A little bit more. Now, reflecting on your time at Clarkson, you were part of the beginning of growing one of the most successful women's hockey programs in the nation today. Talk about your role in building that program and what's it been like to watch it over the years with some great players like Renata Fest, Savannah Harmon, to just name a few and help win those three national championships. Because I feel like even though that you weren't a part of those three national championships, you really were because you helped build the program up to that level. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Um, it's so great to see their success. Um, it was, I remember watching the championship game for the first Frozen Four that they were in, where Matt and Shannon and Matt were still coaches, and having been a player under their, under their wing and on their team, it was so great to see them win. And it was so, it was unfortunate because the girls that I had played with, right, we had all graduated out. That senior class that was there, was that first class that came in when I was um, a volunteer assistant coach. So seeing them grow and get that, and then seeing Matt and Shannon and Matt be able to achieve that goal in such a short amount of time. I think the program was like 11 years old when they won or 12 years old, but that's unbelievable. Um, I cried when they won because I was so happy for them. Um, Obviously there's going to be a little amount of jealousy there, but I guess spinning it the way that you put it, right. We, there's a, a, how many years, 10 years worth of players that work to get the program up to that point. And that's pretty special, right? Just saying, now saying that I am a Clarkson Golden Knight and having that be associated with the success that those teams have had, like I can't ask for anything else. Have you ever been back to Clarkson since you left? And do you still stay in contact with some of your teammates that you played with? Um, I've been back a few times. We went back to watch some games. Um, and then my brother-in-law played at Union as well. So then we went back to Clarkson to watch them play Union. Um, in terms of keeping in touch with some of my teammates, yeah, we keep in touch, right? We message each other every once in a while, right? It's not like I have hung out or lived next door to any of those players, but of course we keep in touch. Um, and it's really special when we go back and a bunch of us are back at the same time. Um, it's like nothing's changed. That, and that's the special part. Yeah, and after college hockey, you played for the Toronto Furies in the CWHL. I talk about playing in that league and being a female pro athlete because it seems like it said on the elite hockey page that you ended your Clarkson career in 2010, and then you played with the Toronto Furies back in like around 2014. What did you do in between that gap and then coming back playing pro hockey? Yeah, so I wasn't playing. No, okay. <laughs> I wasn't playing at all. I don't know if they just missed um, something, but... No, so I, um, I stopped playing in 2010, right when I graduated, and then I stayed and did my MBA at Clarkson until 2012, and then went back to the Furies, or went to the Furies in 2016. Um, I was coaching in Oakville after I came back, just to kind of stay involved with the game, and then I played on the Oakville Senior A team 
which is like one game a week for a season. Um, and then I just, I had no interest in putting my skates on for a competitive game at all. But the one summer, um, I was still friends with multiple people on the Furies. And then the one summer I played on the summer in, in a tournament with, um, I think Julie Allen was there. Hillary Knight was on the team. There's a few uh, other people that we played against her the summer. Um, Prevo was on the team too. And they're just like, just come back. And I told them, like, well, I don't think I can keep up. Like I haven't played in a while. And they eventually convinced me to come back. And I was fortunate enough to get drafted. And that was interesting, but it was fun. I'm glad I did it. I'm super glad I did it. Um, I think it got like that, that secondary hockey itch out of me because now I'm, I know I'm done, but it was great to be part of that professional league for three years. Yeah, I know. We're now in the non-hockey segment of the podcast where I ask you some non-hockey questions, trying to switch it up a bit. Um, yeah, my first question is, uh, what is the worst commercial you have seen recently? The worst commercial? Oh, this is so hard. Um, it's, oh, this is going to be bad. You know those commercials where it's like, um, I don't know if it's the egg commercials where, where the guy, I know there's the brother and sister are sitting at the table and it's like, that's not weird. You're weird. Your, your girlfriend looks like mom or something along those lines. I've not seen that. No. Oh, damn it. I don't even know what product is for. Just yeah. goes to show you how much TV I watch, but that would probably be the worst one. I feel like the political ads recently have been the worst. I don't know oh. if the election season's happening where you're from, but it's been all the time, especially yeah. in North Carolina, So Yeah, I tried to, I tried to, um, stay away from that as much as I could. Yeah. Which, which might explain why I wasn't watching TV as much. It was straight to Netflix. So wasn't yeah. seeing many commercials. <laughs> now, uh, what music do you like to listen to? I'm a country girl. I'm a total country girl. When I'm just relaxing and working, I like listening to country music. Working out might be different. Um, it also depends on what mood I'm in. It could be like serious, heavy metal, screamo music, just because I'm angry and need to get some energy out, or it could just go straight to EDM. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's definitely variable when it comes to working out. Uh, what's your go-to song that we can put in for the outro music for the podcast? Go-to song. <sighs> of course, I'm going to be put on the spot now, and I'm not even going to be able to name a song. Um... I don't know. This is so bad. What have I been listening to? So this is going to sound really bad. Um, but it's because I've been, we've been listening to the song with my daughter almost every night because she asked for it and she loves to dance. Just shake, shake it off by Taylor Swift. Okay. That's a good song. <laughs> yeah. Now, what is your biggest pet peeve? People chewing with their mouths open. Yeah. Drives me nuts. Um, even like with my husband, if he's eating like something crunchy next to me, I need to leave the room because it just, like, I want to punch something when I hear it. Uh, what was your favorite class you ever taken at Clarkson? My favorite class? Yeah. Um, there was a video editing class where we, um, we, we made videos, we did filming and everything. And then we had to render films and um, submit them for assignments. I loved that. Or any of the like the HTML coding classes we were we were designing websites. Like those, I thought those were really fun. Now back to some hockey questions. Now my first one is, what advice would you give uh, some younger players trying to pursue Division One college hockey? Um, don't too, don't put too much pressure on yourself. Enjoy playing minor. Um, 
don't try and rush your development because of the prospect of getting a division one scholarship. Like just chill on the scholarship. Things will come like focus on development because you want to develop as a hockey player. Don't focus on development because you want to get a division one scholarship. Like that's what I find. I see way too often now is um, girls are starting to focus on the, that division one scholarship and it skews their development and it skews the way that they, um, that they are teammates, right? It skews the way that they play. So focus on what you have in front of you, focus on the development, focus on the love of the game and the good things will come. Now, speaking of advice, what advice would you give uh, current college hockey players in trying to pursue a division one championship? I'm going to be super cheesy with this, but enjoy your time there because it goes by so fast. And I feel like I was told that so many times and I get told that now with my daughter and I get told that by people that are just older than me. And I'm sure these younger college athletes have heard it, but just enjoy your time there. Um, and try and I look back, try and focus on hockey as much as possible because once that's gone, right, you're going to miss focusing on that. So yeah, that would be my advice. Yeah. It just seems weird because I'm a freshman now in college and I don't feel like it's going to go by that fast. No, you don't. You really don't until you get to like your senior year and you're like, Oh shit, what happened? (laughs) Um, It's crazy how fast it goes. You don't think it goes by quick. And I remember looking at, there's a picture of me, Brittany, Selena and Ashley Moorhead and we're walking to class and our, our parents were standing behind us and they took the picture and it was the day of our first game as like Clarkson Golden Knights. And I remember that day, I was like, this is going to be awesome. And then flash forward, it's now been 14 years since that day. So wow. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Now what should be done to grow women's hockey? That's a loaded question. <laughs> I know there's a lot, but like, since you played, I was just wondering if there's anything that we can do as a podcast or what, people in the higher management should do to help market it better, I guess. Yeah. So there's a, like, there's a few different things. Exposure is huge, right? Like, so what you're doing from a media standpoint is talking about it. Um, having the athletes on talking about their experiences, right? Because that exposure is so important to younger girls. It just, just hearing things on a podcast or seeing things on TV related to women's hockey. Like we didn't have that when we were younger. Um, and I think that, well, I think that that's truly affected the total talent pool that's come out because as little girls growing up, like we didn't have, apart from the Olympic team in 98, right? We didn't have female hockey players to look up to. So we looked up to male hockey players. And I think as a result of that, like a lot of girls didn't take interest in hockey because of the lack of exposure and visibility. So whatever, what you're doing from a media standpoint is perfect. From an executive standpoint, there needs to be, um, it's a business model right? That's what it is. If we want to talk money, we want to talk salaries, then we have to talk a proper proper business model. So I think secret with their investment that they recently um, put into the PWHPA, right? Those types of investments are great from a monetary standpoint, but with those type of investments, I hope they bring in assistance from like a business standpoint, because having those minds, um, in addition to people like Jaina and people that are on the board that know the game, I think that's the secret sauce. Um, so hopefully that answers your question <laughs> yeah i think that answers it very well I'm, I'm trying to promote women's hockey since i'm a big fan uh believe it or not so that's, <laughs> that's awesome I'm, but you're wearing a leaf shirt <laughs> yeah well th- i just put one on for now because i'm a big okay. awesome guy okay. but 
No, um, no, I love women's hockey. I'm trying to promote as best I can. And I think it's good that I'm getting both men's and women's college hockey players on to talk about their stories and hopefully promote just hockey in general. Yeah, well, I think what you're doing is great, right? And even the players, you always hear about the Olympic players, which is great because they are so, so talented. Um, but it's amazing that you're giving exposure to, right, those players that may not necessarily be on the national team, but are still really, really good hockey players and Division One hockey players, right? So I think that just adds to, um, from a visibility standpoint, showing people that there are more or there are a ton of talented female hockey players out there. And just because you don't see their name on the Olympic team doesn't mean that they're not there. Um, yeah. We're having so yeah. an Olympic hockey player on, I think, this week. So I'm excited about that. It's Who are you having? Johnston from Cornell. Oh, she's, oh, yeah, she's awesome. She's, yeah, yeah so, she's so, so good too. <laughs> but yeah. she's just a good, yeah, she's a good person. Yeah, we had Renata Fast on from Clarkson as well. So she was mm -hmm. really good. And we also had Brianna Decker on from the USA team. So we're just awesome. trying to team and Emily Clark from Wisconsin. So some really yeah. good Olympic athletes, but I'm also trying to promote some of the third, second liners that might not get as much recognition as they should. Mm -hmm. It's just showing how big the pool is, right? There's a yeah, lot of good definitely. female hockey players out there. Now, uh, what have you been up to since graduating Clarkson? I know you got married. Congratulations <laughs> on that. You yeah. also are a mother now, so congratulations yeah. on that as well. Uh, what you. is that been like for you and what you've been doing uh, Yeah, since graduating? So, since in 10 years? Okay, let's try and summarize this. <laughs> um, so, for work, I am working as a solutions engineer at Salesforce, so I love the tech industry. So, that's what I'm doing from a work standpoint. Um, yes, I did get married. His name is Jeff Campbell. He was actually an OHL referee. <laughs> I got oh, married wow. to a ref. Um, that must and be then a we, time. yeah, it was, yeah, we, we were friends for a really long time, but I just find oh. it, I just find it really funny that I hate his hockey player that married a referee. Um, but yeah, and then we have a, a two-year-old daughter named Kyson and she has flipped our world around. She's, but she's awesome. She's such a good kid. She likes to sleep. She's happy, right? Like, um, but being a parent is so crazy. Yeah. <laughs> like, I know you're interviewing a ton of younger players, um, for whoever's listening to this, it's nuts. Um, your life gets, your life gets flipped upside down, but it's so fun. Um, sometimes you want to pull your hair out, but most of the time it's fun. <laughs> yeah. That must change your perspective on life too, because I don't know, just, oh, yeah. I would, I don't even, can't even imagine having a kid right now. It seems so far away. Oh no, you're way too young. <laughs> No. <laughs> trust me you don't want to do that right now oh no no no. Um, no 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 it's crazy um having like this little life that you're responsible for is nuts like you are responsible for keeping this child alive and helping them learn and navigate the world like that is a whole other level of responsibility that I never knew I could be ready for um didn't know how to prepare for did I prepare for it I don't think so but things are going well so far she's alive and healthy yeah. And happy so this is hard trying to prepare them for this day and age it seems so different from when even when i grew up just because it's so digitalized now there's a lot of you know back and forth going on between adults on tv so mm -hmm. is it hard trying to prepare a young kid for the world ahead of them i'm like we're so lucky with, with all this political crap and social media crap going on right now like my daughter is only two so i feel like i don't have to navigate that too aggressively right now um if i had a 13 year old i'm sure my story would be different but i'm kind of hoping that by the time she gets to that age things change um it comes with its benefits because frankly like netflix does help when we have to get some stuff done um turning on paw patrol or turning on 
um, the wiggles, right, for a little bit just so we can get some stuff done is like such a good resource to have. And people who are listening to this that are saying, like, if two year olds should watch TV, well, she needs it sometimes because we just need a 20, 30 minute break. Um, so from that standpoint, right, having the resources electronically, uh, whether it's for learning, whether it's for like a momentary distraction, great. But I think I'll, I'll pause on my answer for like helping her navigate the whole social media political thing later on, because I don't know what it's going to be like. Yeah. Um, what should I do better as an interviewer to improve and make this podcast better? Oh, that's a loaded question too. I think the questions you asked are great. I really do. Um, I like that you have the hockey questions and then those like spur of the moment questions that I wasn't able to answer um, about the music and non-hockey related stuff. Um, let me think. Uh, I don't know. Like, I really like the questions. I really like questions that you have. Maybe just like playing off what the other person is saying a little bit more rather than like skipping to the next question. Yeah. I'm trying to get better at that. I'm very yeah. um, nervous and shy sometimes. So I have troubles creating conversations based on answers, especially if I wasn't there, which most of the time I probably wasn't. So um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to work on that as best I can. But I, I love the non-hockey segment. I got to shout out Jim Murray for that. He does that on his show. and I Oh, skip. does he really? Yeah. So I, like, I, I thought it was a really cool idea to add to my podcast. It puts people on the spot too. <laughs> yeah, I know. But that's, it makes it more entertaining for the listener. Though. That's why I like it. It does. It does. I agree with you. Now, is there any shout outs you'd like to give to any uh, family members, former teammates, if they're listening to this or any other <sighs> famous person that you know? I don't know any famous people. You but know, night, but I know yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> I, but I feel like I know all of those people because I've played with or against them. Yeah. Um, I'd say shout out, shout out to CGK, the original um, Clarkson Golden Knights, because the, the OGs, right, that first class that came in and actually, like, battled through some crazy times with some crazy coaches in the beginning of Clarkson's life. Like, that, those are the people that I'm grateful for. Um, but, yeah, shout out to everybody I played with at Clarkson. I miss you guys. I wish we could go back in time. Um, and hopefully once this COVID thing is over, we can all get together at the new rink and the new dressing room that's way fancier than we ever had. <laughs> Have a few drinks. <laughs> Awesome. Thank you so much, Carly, for coming on. I really appreciate it. Wish you and your family all the best moving forward and stay safe. No problem. Thanks for doing this. This is great. No problem. Bye. We'll chat later. Bye. Had a truckload to drink. Now my brain's dead weight like that. Lost my keys.
Want your lips on me Now you say I can sleep Will you sleep From the cab up the stairs Put the keys in the lock